0: brisco meets up with a ghost from his past once you killed in a gunfight i was only gut shot i'm stronger now with less appetite and runs into an old flame there's a fire i know no in the barn the adventures of brisco county jr an all-new episode next friday at 8 7 central
1: Here's the thing about the Briscoe County Junior Show. This yeah. is the one year anniversary of our having released one of these or, or near enough to it. The plan was always, since it was a Friday night show, that whenever there would be a week where i blew my deadline for having a podcast out on Wednesday, that I'd holler at Mac here and we'd just like do a Briscoe County and I'd drop that in on a Friday without any heavy work being put into it. And problem number one, I mentioned this in passing in a previous episode, is that when we talked about doing a Briscoe County podcast, we were the only ones who were talking about that. There wasn't one. And so that made it more special to go ahead and do one and then the 30th anniversary was going to come up and so i was like okay was it time to do it and then in preparing to finally do it i found that the evil dead guys had already done the Briscoe county podcast as part of their evil dead coverage and so that took away a lot of the incentive to get that done for the longest time we did all all our recordings live not as weird anymore but it's still a little weird for us to have to do all these recordings by the internet it's kind of a bummer it's fine but it is a different energy than we would have when we're actually in a room together but one of the things that is nice is that having listened to a few episodes of that Evil Dead show it's clear that they're not into Briscoe County they're not into that genre it's not on their wavelength and so listening to people who weren't there for it the first time gripe about it it's kind of a bummer and I, I realize that I have a reputation one of my, my big things is I'm the guy who finds fault and everything I don't like anything and I, hopefully that's an interesting perspective on stuff that you would consider to be a sacred cow just to get a different you know because I'm not just doing it to troll people i just legitimately wired differently but I do think there's also a joy to be found in having people that just enjoy the same things you enjoy talking about that excitedly and, and having fun with it and so I do think there's value in getting a Bresco Pounty podcast out it's just it gets pushed back whilst I'm doing a bunch of other stuff but blew my Wednesday deadline Friday's coming up so we, we, it's about time we finally got back to the show and it's it's got a decent following too We've, We I just did social media for it and we get a lot of likes and retweets and stuff and it's just I, I just haven't been serving this audience by not buckling down and actually doing some episodes so we're finally back for one.
2: We back, how pokes?
1: And I was trying really hard to find ratings, and I don't know if you know this. Given how much informa- information is at the tip of your fingers these days, it's really hard to find ratings on old shows, man. Everything's That's behind, strange. like the Nielsen stuff. It, you have to like have logins and stuff to get this information. It's crazy. That's bizarre.
2: Like, like know, I would never. I, I would just think that was just readily available.
1: You assume it'd be like on Wikipedia or something, right? Yeah, yeah. it's not that easy. And I, and I went through a bunch of different websites trying to. Navigate it. And even the ones that said they had ratings, you click on it and then it's a dead link or the whole site's gone. Very frustrating. But one of the sites I was looking at had an article from 2009. uh, It was related to the Western Writers of America who offered a list of their 50 greatest television Western series of all time. And Briscoe County came in 35th, which is respectable. Nice. The ones that preceded it at number 30 was the Yellow Rose, which I barely remember existing. I I can't tell you anything about it. 31's Tales of Wells Fargo from the 50s. I've never heard of that one same goes for the lazarus band from 96 and then the gene autry show and then finally one i recognized alias smith and jones from the 70s at number 34 now the ones that beat though were much more familiar to me Trackdown, kung fu lonesome dove the series the magnificent seven tv show from 1998 and broken arrow and f troop i'm actually much more familiar with and impressed by the ones that briscoe county beat than the ones that beat it I am
2: just am not – like I know I know Bonanza. I know Gunsmoke. Uh,
1: number four, number
2: one. Okay. um And I think that's it. I think that's my entire knowledge of uh, – because The Rifleman wasn't a cowboy show, right? With yes, so it Cow- was.
1: Cowboy show. With Chuck Connors? Yeah, it was. Okay. Yeah, that was yeah, number yeah. six.
2: And I only remembered The Rifleman because it came on right after another show that I watched. and I can't remember what it was. It was like super late at night, and as soon as that show was over, it'd be The Rifleman. And then he does that opening where he's just like – Right. Right. <laughs> yeah I, always, so I would space out and catch some of those episodes but uh parts parts of those episodes
1: they used to run branded after another show that i watched and so i've always been more familiar with the opening to that which was another chuck connor's western
0: all but one man died. They're at Bitter Creek, and they say he ran away. Branded, scorned as the one who ran. What do you do when you're branded and you know you're a man? Wherever you go for the rest of your life, you must prove
1: was a big thing in like the 60s and early 70s and so once you get into the 80s and 90s he's one of those guys who kept turning up in stuff kind of like a jack palance type where he was always having to do material that was beneath him you knew he had been a big star and then he just doing werewolf for fox in the 80s and so because of that familiarity with the him slumming It made me more uh, aware of him in back pain in his heyday, even though I didn't really watch that stuff. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, plus I remember that they referenced Branded on an episode of Married with Children, so that didn't hurt either. What do you do when you're Branded and you know you're a man?
2: Nope, don't remember.
1: Yeah. He was like a cavalryman who... I think he was framed, or he just had a failure, and so the opening was always like them breaking his sword in half and ripping his pouches off and sending him away from the fort. And he's trying to like recover his uh, honor after this defeat uh, from his military career. So that's what that was about.
2: Cool. I don't know what a uh, black and white or color,
1: color, because it was after the really? rifleman. Okay. Rifleman, if I remember correctly, transitioned from black and white to color.
2: Yes, that is correct. Of that, that and this, do we are literally tapping out my exhaustive <laughs> knowledge of rifleman <laughs> trivia? It, some episodes that came on after whatever show i watched were black and white and some episodes that came on after that show i watched were in color <laughs> that's it
1: well you're not a big western guy either were there any western series besides the adventures of briscoe County jr that you ever watched or was that like the exclusive western content on your television screen
2: no no but i will say just before briscoe and i mean it, may, maybe it was. Uh, at the same time, just go – there were a lot of good Western movies that came out. You had oh, your sure. Young Guns movies. You had Tombstone. Um, so I, I like the, the sort of that new age – uh, Brat Pack version of uh, <laughs> of westerns, um, but yeah, like the old western spaghetti western TV shows and stuff. Now I'm never watching that stuff. Yeah. Not that I can remember. I mean, maybe I. I feel like I'm I'm spacing out on. Didn't you watch I might Deadwood? No, I, I we watched. I, I watched like maybe an episode of Deadwood, mm-hmm. and it was like really really dark, and it was just not where I wanted to be at the time. So mm-hmm. we never picked it back up.
1: Yeah, I, I've I've wanted to rewatch the series because they came out with that movie a year or two back, and you know it's three. Three seasons and it's just that's a lot to take on. I'm not a big binge watching guy, but hopefully in the next couple of years I'll get around to finally doing that because it is a really yeah, great I, show.
2: I got to put that one back on the list because I've never heard a bad thing about it. So
1: it definitely is dark, but it also is it, it, the just the the artful use of profanity on that show is is a thing to to behold. You know, it, it puts Quentin the shame how much profanity they have in that show and how well it's used. Um, and but it, but it's and it's got its funny moments too, but it's definitely a, a dark show. It's it's a very I wouldn't say it's depressing. There are fun elements, but the environment itself is pretty depressing because, I mean, these are dirt poor people on the frontier doing just the worst stuff to get by. And so it's hard not to go to some dark places with that.
2: Question. Little House on the Prairie, Western or not?
1: Yes, definitely a western. My grandmother used to watch that. She had a, I think she had a dang thing for Michael Landon, and so I watched a fair few episodes of Little House on the Prairie too. Now it's yeah, not I've, a gunfighter show; it's a frontiers show yeah. that occasionally featured guns, but it really was a family drama and a town drama that happened to be set in the Old West.
2: That's why I wasn't sure if it. Uh- Hit the criteria.
1: Well, it was semi-autobiographical, so you don't have a lot of gunfights. It's more like you know what's Nellie Olson getting up to this time, that sort of shit stuff.
2: Nice save. All right, so we can talk about this episode.
1: We probably we, should. Are ready so, to go there yet? Or do you is, want IMDb this, any more info? On it? <laughs> this is Briscoe and Jalisco. It originally aired on September the seventeenth, nineteen ninety-three. uh We are continuing our policy of. Discussing the episodes as they were released, since we both watched the show when it was coming out new. Not necessarily the chronology of the show. Uh, this was actually the fifth episode filmed, but it was the fourth episode aired. Directed by James A. Cotner, It was written by series creators Jeffrey Boehm and Carlton Coos.
2: So, this episode opens up with a phenomenal poker scene. So Socrates comes down into one of the the saloons and Briscoe is playing cards against a guy and you know Socrates runs over and he's like hey Briscoe we gotta get out of here and he's like one second and it basically turns into this cheat off where Briscoe is like rubbing his sleeve Well, no they first show the guy deal from the bottom of the deck to himself instead of the top of the deck and then Briscoe takes his cards and he rubs it on a sleeve to get another card and then that dude you know like reaches on the table and he hits one of those like uh, automatic. Card servers to, to give himself another king. And then Briscoe is like scratching his neck. And the waitress walks over and she's got one in her girder. And then he pets like a dog. And there's one hidden under the dog's collar. And they're just going back and forth, just like their entire hand is completely false, right? Uh, and they're both shoving all their chips in. Uh, and then finally, you know, the, the dealer at the table had what was it, five kings or whatever, or mm-hmm. some ridiculous, you know, you can't even have five kings. He had like five kings. <laughs> and then uh, Briscoe had five aces, you know, two of which were diamonds like it just complete push. so all, these dudes immediately pull all their guns and put them in Briscoe's face and the guy's like whoa 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 he cheated me fair and square or something <laughs> like that <laughs> they give him all the chips it was hull in the cut credit um for the intro and it was just hull like I was dying during the scene it was so good it it just kept going it wasn't just that he, he you know when he starts petting the dog oh mm-hmm. hey there rover whatever his name is and he pulls another ace out of the dogs it's just it was so absurd it was I was cracking up it was great
1: well and he and the uh the guy he was playing against he had one of those rube goldberg type devices where it's like an accordion they would shoot from out of his sleeve and give him additional cards and stuff it, <laughs> yeah. it just it's one of those things where it may not have been funny the first few but once you get up and double to double digit numbers of, of scams it becomes funny over the, the progression of it just by the excess of it and it's fun too because i still tend to think of briscoe county as being a square you know because he's just such a, a, a up, upright kind of guy an educated guy a straight shooter and so it's nice to reminded sometimes that he does have his lowly qualities and certainly cheating at cards is clearly one of them
2: like i said i i loved it it was great it was almost like a naked gun bit or something like that you know it was Mm -hmm. it was like again it just got more and more comical as it went along it was just it was great and then again the line he cheated me fair and square was fantastic (laughs) so anyway from there we, we do opening credits uh and it's Briscoe and Socrates back at the robber barons, and they're basically telling them, hey, you know, we had a train full of guns that was – Texas border. We, we think there could be some disruptions going on between factions down there, and we need you to go down there and check it out. And he's like, hey, hey, you hired me to, to look for the Bly gang. I'm not looking for uh for missing weapons. And they're like, well, they hijacked the train by painting a mural of a tunnel on a big piece of rock, which is exactly how they sprung the Bly gang to begin with, which was when Briscoe's father was killed. That was the, uh, the prison transport train. So that's where Briscoe's like, oh, okay, then yeah, I'm going down there. I don't really care about your weapons." but I'll head down there. And like, well, that's why Socrates is going with you. So they send the two of them to, and of course, Socrates is like, what am I going? He's saying, what's he coming? I got to babysit this guy the whole time. So, um, they head down on horseback and there's oh, a little uh, bit where before they get, you get
1: Hold on. Before yeah. you get too far from it too, hold on. Go for it. Uh, I just want to mention that the Robert Barons are both Western veterans. Uh, one of them is Paul Brinegar from Rawhide and the other is Robert Fuller from the return of the seven. Speaking of the magnificent seven.
2: I was going to say that's, uh, carries on the theme, right? Because I think the was it in the pilot or whatever? Or oh, the yeah. Barons were both former. Uh, they, they they're showing respect to their elders in this, mm-hmm. uh, and this to their to their roots, um, which I respect. So from there they, they head down to Mexico and they're you know they're they're on horseback and they get stopped by some some bad hombres I guess you could say uh and, and basically you know they're telling them I don't were they gonna rob them or asking what they were doing there and uh, well they're pretending Brisco- to be
1: customs at first but over time you realize that they're they're frito banditos
2: right 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 so Briscoe's like oh well you know what I do have this and he pulls out a stick of dynamite and lights it and he was all like oh here why don't you take it and he throws it at them and it's just sitting there burning and burning and burning until these dudes are like oh, okay this guy's not bluffing and they turn around and run off. He hops back on the horse with Socrates and so they ride off on horseback and he's like, well, hey, what about the, di-? boom, and the whole thing lights up and goes, like, it wasn't a fake stick of dynamite. That was 100% real. Uh, so from there, they get to the the general. What was the general's name? I I,
1: I can find that out but I was going to mention that, you know, I'm, I'm watching the Banditos with my Mexican girlfriend. I'm like, oh boy, are we going to have some embarrassing conversations after this because uh, those guys did not acquit themselves well but thankfully, they didn't continue with that for too long. Most everybody else, you know, acquits themselves reasonably well, including General Zaka, who's played by Miguel Perez.
2: Yeah, and I think I'm not sure if all those dudes were actually Hispanic, but
1: yeah, I think uh, there's some brown face at play there.
2: Indiana. Yeah, it's, the mustaches especially were were a little <laughs> much, but the general was definitely Hispanic, so mm-hmm. that that was like okay, good. Briscoe says he knows the general, so he'll find out what's going on with these weapons. Um, they sit down, they start having drinks, and he and he was like, uh cheese is like, the, what is this drink? It's phenomenal." And he was like, "Oh, well, it's lime. Um Was it squeezed on the the legs of virgins?" <laughs> and uh, into you know the finest gold tequila and then he yells over to one of the witches he says, hey margarita why don't you bring these guys your more of your special drink and it's like <laughs> wah, wah. you know what i mean oh, she's yeah.
1: look, the margarita if, if you can't get into that sort of dad humor you're this is the wrong podcast and the wrong television show for you sorry
2: absolutely absolutely it's to, this is totally on brand humor um so uh, from there, you know, they, they start to talk about the, the weapons and stuff. And he's like, you know what? The general's like, we don't talk about that now. It's late. Now it's time for the entertainment. And who's the entertainment? None other than Dixie Cousins from uh, – when was the last time she was in an episode? Episode two maybe?
1: Mm, yes, yes. She was in episode two. That's right.
2: So, yeah, Dixie comes out and does a wonderfully overdub. it was a very strange dubbed performance because mm-hmm. she was obviously not singing and they dubbed that in because it was very sound stagey her voice. Mm-hmm. But they, let, they kept the crowd voice in it like it was really I, all i could picture during the scene because she's like hanging off of socrates and she's hanging off of briscoe were they just in complete silence and they just told these guys to react like I, all i could think of is how weird this must have been to not <laughs> or were they playing a recording so that she was lip syncing to
1: it i would it was, hope they'd at least have the recording going like it was a music God, video hope, something hope they did
2: anyway so she puts on her performance which was very fantastic she is a uh A very attractive young lady. Um, And she was quite scantily clad in that scene. So that was very
1: nice. Um, It was funny, though, because was it just me or was her – she's obviously got an accent that she does for the character. And sometimes it was Mae West and sometimes it was John Wayne. So I feel like maybe she's still kind of getting a feel for her character.
2: Okay, so you want to hear my note here? Sure. Here's my note. It says, Dixie is doing a serious John Wayne impression, or did she have a stroke? (laughs) Oh, oh, shoot. Was it John Wayne, or did she have a slight palsy? Like, I can't tell (laughs) the way she was drawing
0: out some of the words. Somebody gave her a
1: note, and she wisely ignored that going forward, but she took it at this particular episode, and it showed that she should have tossed that thing in the waistband immediately.
2: Right. I was like you didn't talk like this in the other episode i would have totally remembered her doing a just awful john wayne impression <laughs> uh and it came and like it, like it, it came and went in this episode mm. she laid it on pretty thick in that first scene after the after she was singing with him but um but every now and then it popped up but i was just like what is going on is this on some sort this
1: of a voice, code dude? are you trying to give me a message that you know through this accent i don't understand what's what's happening here
2: uh, it was hilarious are you held so she,
1: captive by the general what's going on
2: yeah uh so basically she warns them that yeah she thinks the general's to something uh so they sneak out the socrates and briscoe they sneak out of their room at night to kind of snoop around and see what the general's up to and there they see uh it's pete right pete hutter pete hutter yep pete hutter uh who was from the the pilot right or no didn't he get shot in like uh no he, he was shot in,
1: in the pilot as i recall
2: the pilot he got shot that's right mm-hmm. um so he's there and he's the one who stole i mean he was the one who painted on the, or he got the painter to paint the rock right because he was the one that sprung them out of the train and the pilot right he,
1: he's a rock painting patron
2: right uh, so uh, he's the one with the weapons he's trying to sell them to the general and that deal kind of starts to go bad and the general's men come over and they're like general the, the gringos are locked in their room and and he's like so he's like why don't you go put them to bed like wink wink as in get rid of them and of course Socrates and Briscoe are watching this happen and they kind of look back over at their room those dudes walk in and just waste they're just like firing into the room uh, obviously not realizing that they're not there but uh uh, let me see from there
1: i'll give you i'll give you a short break here so yeah as you mentioned pete hutter was shot in the pilot and so the safe assumption would have been that he'd been killed then i was during a gunfight but my understanding is they just liked his performance of the character so much that they wanted to bring him back so As mentioned, this was the fifth episode film. So you got a nice little gap in there for him to have healed up. Uh, Briscoe County does make mention of, didn't you, didn't I shoot you? And he was basically saying that, uh, I was only gut shot. I come back stronger and with less appetite. And there's a cute bit where Briscoe's like, you'd probably be a a good model for weight loss. And he's like, why would anybody want to lose weight? And it's a pretty fair, uh, assertion there because until, you know, we had the, the wealth of sugary foods and stuff that we had in the 20th century going forward, people, you know, didn't tend to get fat. And if you got fat, it was a sign of affluence and it was actually pretty desirable. So what until really in the last 100 years or so that it was a bad thing to look, at least look a little chubby?
2: 100 years, maybe like 20 or maybe like 40 years. I mean, it, I think it's a little more recent than uh, the, the American obesity problem <laughs> has uh, really exploded over the last 30, 40 years or so. But mm-hmm. anyway. But yeah, I thought that was, a, that was an was. He's like, would well, I don't want to lose weight. And I was like, that was the first thing I thought of too. I was like, yeah, because back then, <laughs> this was not an issue. Uh, you're riding on a horse 100-degree weather with no air conditioning, nobody had issue uh, and, like, starving for days on mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, there, there was nobody nobody having issues of weight back then. And again, if you were, it's because you were the, you know, you were a robber baron or something like that. So
1: Dixie shows up to help get our guys out of the back of the, the casa. Um, this is after Pete Hutter started calling for the general's men to come and kill Briscoe since he's supposed to be there and Briscoe isn't. And so they make their way to a group of revolutionaries who are basically just farmers, but they're just trying to do what they can to fight against the, the general's oppression with what they have available to them and Dixie's sympathetic to them I, I believe that she was with the general acting as a double agent to feed them information say that one more time I, I believe think that, she was I think sorry, yeah I think Dixie was because why else would she be with the general unless she was trying to get information on his movements and stuff to feed to the revolutionaries
2: okay yes okay I agree sorry I, I heard that backwards like you were saying that she was the plant from the general mm. and i sorry that it just went into my head wrong yes I think you, that is correct she was basically going over there to, to infiltrate, uh, but she obviously had more ties to Emilio Pena, the, the leader of the, the resistance there.
1: Now that was a note you got down. Uh, yeah. Played by uh, Michael DeLorenzo. Um, he's probably best known for playing Alex Torres in the later seasons of Head of the Class. I wasn't watching the show by that point. He did do 61 episodes of Fame, but not only did I not watch that show, but he apparently didn't get any credits of anybody that was worth mentioning. But he was in several iconic videos of the 80s, including Beat It. He was one of the zombies in Thriller, and he was featured in Lionel Richie's uh, Running with the Night. The other thing that he's well known for is he played uh, PFC William T. Santiago, the victim in A Few Good Men. Uh, he was also in A lot so uh, apparently he was either eaten or had to eat some people i haven't seen alive in a long time i don't remember the specifics his longest gig was uh, one of the star performers on new york undercover which i think ran on fox and he was also on some show called resurrection boulevard i never watched either one of them so i can't speak to those
2: he looked familiar yeah. i have not he seen definitely had one of those faces
1: did you did you not watch head of the class
2: oh maybe maybe i watched head of the class that's possible. Um, you've seen a few good men though, You've seen a few good men though. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But as soon as you said that, I'm like, oh, that's it. That might. That was probably where it was. Uh. Anyway. So from there, uh, he's basically explaining, you know, that the reason the general has beef with all of them is because they're all of these poor people. They have to steal his crops so they can eat, and they have to do this, steal from him to do this, and still, we're like, they're just trying to survive. And basically, the general's taking it as like a slight, mm-hmm. right? So he's trying to well, snuff these people. They
1: make a big deal out. about how you have to constantly compliment him, and he has a very fragile ego and violent you know emotionality and stuff so they let you know that he's very temperamental and that's uh, reflected in how he treats the peasants
2: yeah and, and they actually alluded to that not alluded to it i mean briscoe told socrates to like watch the way you talk about him and and the, the way and that's why socrates leads off before the, he goes you're a very handsome man and it was like what <laughs> like, oh, like of course socrates <laughs> goes way overboard um
1: wrong route for a a, yeah. a, a dandy looking fellow with eyeglasses and everything
2: right uh so at that point there's like a barn fire I don't – I guess I missed
1: – What had happened was after they met with the revolutionaries, they had to have a place to sleep for the night, and so they put them into the, the barn. Uh, Socrates had to uh, have a coin toss for the uh, be, uh, one of the stacks of hay against Comet, the horse, and then Briscoe lying on another stack. Dixie comes in to try to seduce him, but before things can get too hot between them, it gets hot in the barn because somebody sets it on fire.
2: Yep. So then uh, that leads to a conversation with – Emilio Pena. Basically, he's just like you know, it's just the weirdest thing. The general's just always one step ahead of us. We do this. It's like he knows we were going to do it. We're going to do that. It's like he knows we were going to. He knows we're going to do it. So one of his guys, uh, Weddle, goes, "Well, I think we got a traitor." And he goes like, "No, I don't think we got a traitor." Whatever. He's like, All right, fine. Pena has a line that just he just says, "Justice is a word" because they were like, "Can we not have justice?" And he says, "I'm believing you think justice is a word is a word only for the rich," uh, which I thought was a, that was a nice uh, nice little line there. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, so Briscoe says, "I think I got an idea." So he goes to Pete and he's like, "Hey, let's team up." Don't, and Pete's like, "What do you want me?" You know, what, he goes like, "Look, if I wanted to kill you." I could have killed you, you know, five minutes ago. But let's make some money. Let's uh he goes, you know what I was thinking about? Those robber barons are no worse than the Bly Gang, whatever. Um, so why am I doing all this dirty work for them? Why don't we go sell the weapons to the general and we'll split the money? Um so basically, uh Briscoe takes the I I don't know somehow he convinces Pete this is a good well, idea. What
1: it is is he has more familiarity with the general and you tell him, Look, the general's gonna backstab you. I, I know this guy, that's all he ever does. You're gonna end up not getting paid and dead. And um dead. and if you yeah. try to you know, I think they were talking about him go taking the money to another uh, general further south, and there were complications. And he's just like, "Look, let's, let's, I'll negotiate this for you. I'll get the money for you."
2: Right. So he, he goes there and he and he basically says, tells the general, "Look, you don't kill me. I got your weapons. We want to do the deal now." Um. And he was like, and he was like, "Don't you try and double cross me?" He was like, "Look, the weapons are in X Canyon. You pay me half now, and then when you come back with the weapons, you pay me the other half." And he was like, "Sounds like it's a deal." Uh. And, and then gave the whole like, if you double. Cross Cross me, Briscoe. So he rides off. And before he gets too far, this is where you find out that it was it was Guero, Gu- Weddle, as they call him. Uh, he was the turncoat the whole time. So he was going to inform uh, the general that it was actually in, what, Santa Ana Canyon instead of whichever canyon. Right. Maybe uh, uh,
1: one thing worth noting is that the general was, of course, going to double cross Briscoe, too, and had held him in office at gunpoint. So Dixie had to save him. They go back to the rebel camp. And that's when uh, Aguero shows up. Aguero is played by Marco Rodriguez. Like most of the actors, particularly the Latin actors in this episode, they've all been working steadily ever since. And and him, him in particular, he's been working steadily since 1980. There, he hasn't done a lot that's really notable. You know, he's just been in a lot of stuff. But he may be recognizable to some folks as Torres in the, the Crow movie. Oh, yeah, really? Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, good for him. Uh, so basically he's informed the general what the correct canyon was that they're going to be at. So they're at the canyon with the rebels and with Pete and uh, the head of the rebels actually... Okay, so the general starts storming that canyon and that's when uh, Pena basically offered... He's like, Pete, I'll buy the guns right now. Like We're all going to be dead. Sell us the weapons right now so we can use them. And he's like, I ain't selling you no weapons.
1: Well, the, the thing is he's going to offer him the half that Briscoe he scored. Half, right? He's like, I'm not taking half. And then, of course he's gonna end up with nothing because here comes the general you know rating uh and a big old standoff occurs
2: yeah so they have a brief shootout and then briscoe basically convinces them and and they do that a lot in the series where a little trick briscoe uses at the beginning of the episode is kind of the trick he uses at the end of the episode so uh he convinces them to all leave he grabs a couple sticks of dynamite uh lights them up and he's gonna ride straight for those weapons and just blow the whole wagon full of weapons up the general sees this and he tells uh he's like go stop briscoe he goes and you know we'll cover you or whatever and he's all like, what? And he's like, go stop him. And he's like, okay. So he heads out towards Briscoe, and they're basically having this race. Gets to the wagon, throws the dynamite in, just as Guero jumps into the wagon to try and throw the dynamite out, and the whole wagon goes up in an explosion, assumingly blowing him to pieces, correct?
1: I, I can't imagine he could have gotten out of that, and I don't think we're going to see the continuing adventures of Guero, unless he's also Not going to have become a Weight Watcher or something.
2: Correct. Yeah, yeah, he'll come back. Oh, it was just a what? Just a flesh wound. Um, so let me see. I uh, don't anyway. That's kind of where the episode ends. You know, mm-hmm. he, he uh has another little fling or a little parting goodbye with, with Dixie cousins, uh them both obviously very uh attracted to one another and you know, she's like twirling her hair as he rides off. He and uh Socrates ride off.
1: It, it's funny will, that they're having these teases because it's like they did have sex in the pilot. We we there was unambiguous, so it's like it's too bad that they I mean I I, I guess the problem is that they don't have any opportunities because of the adventure to partake of one another and so well, that's where the sexual tension is coming from.
2: Yeah, yeah. Because she even had the line that one time where she was like, I, "I've got a vision problem," and he's like, "What is it?" She's like, "Anytime I see you, my eyes go blurry or something like that. Like I lose they, focus. They were, they were getting
1: my eyes yeah, lose, lose focus.
2: Yeah, yeah. So they got close a few times in this uh, episode, but every time they were interrupted. So, so we, yeah that that was the that was the
1: episode. Yeah. So we've got Pete Hutter back. Um, it, it, he is one of the continuing bad guys in the show. He's in seven total episodes. This is his second appearance. Uh, he's going to have. Uh, you know He's going to show up again pretty quick on Socrates' sister, which was, um, the I believe, the second or third episode filmed, but it still hasn't been released yet. So that we, uh, that's going to be the next one we cover, in fact. And um, also, um, uh, Kelly Rutherford does seven episodes, but they're not the same seven. So they're only going to appear together one more time over the course of the series uh, in an episode called uh, And Baby Makes Three. So it's interesting that they both have the same number of episodes, but they're not going to be the same one. And there's a sense of a lot of these recurring characters being in a lot of episodes, which is true, but they're not necessarily in the same episode. Like this episode, we have no Lord Bowler, as for instance. We have no John Bly. So although they're in a lot of the shows, they're not always going to be there. Um, now... As Pete Hutter, he also appears in the Stagecoach episode and in the two-part series finale, Hide Treason. Uh, besides this, he could be seen in the movie Hello, Mary Lou, Prom Night 2, which I saw theatrically. Did you ever see that one? No. Yeah. Uh, surprisingly, Randy for, um, uh, you know, an otherwise fairly stayed ghost story. Um, he was in Bird on a Wire with Mel Gibson and Goldie Hawn, which I also saw theatrically. I, I can't really explain that. I, I guess we were just <laughs> all swept up in that, you know, Riggs charm of of the day. Um, she also, I mean, sorry, he also appeared in some episodes of 21 Jump Street, but they were on the latter end when I wasn't watching anymore. He did MacGyver. He did the Doug Gore Star Trek The Next Generation. He did the episode called A Fistful of Datas, so I assume he must have been a cowboy in that too. Um, is, he's done a ton of work, but he's probably best known outside of Briscoe County. He was in the full series, two seasons, of The Last Ship, which I believe was on TNT, uh, playing Tex Nolan. Uh, he was also in a long run of episodes on Suits, playing Jack. Soloff, and he played, again, a little bit of a Crow continuity here. He played top dollar in the TV show, The Crow Stairway to Heaven.
2: How about that? Two Crow actors in one episode of Briscoe County Jr.
1: I guess we can talk about the quality of the episode. I I thought it was fine. It was cute, but definitely another one of those uh, episode of the week kind of deals.
2: Yeah, I think so. This wasn't really universe building. Um, There was no orb in this episode. Uh, Outside of Pete, there's, you know, Bly's not in it. Uh, In fact, they make a, he even says, where's Bly? And he's like, this is me, dude. Like, I'm I'm <laughs> the one out here running these guns. He's got nothing to do with it. Uh, which I I like. I like that he's not gonna be in every episode, mm-hmm. right? Uh, we don't we don't need that, especially kind of not. We're obviously not binging it because we have this huge gap between episodes. <laughs> but the fact that we can technically sit down and watch this in two or three days, if he, if Bly was in every single episode, you'd be like, oh my gosh, here we go again, here we go again. So I like that they resisted having him and having the orb in every single episode. Uh, so yeah. I think that was, it was nice. But yeah, this was sort of a, a normal, not a filler episode, but this would just be a regular, self-contained episode of Briscoe County Jr.
1: It is funny, though. They travel all the way down to Mexico based on the method of operation of a guy that they assumed was dead. Because, I mean, by all rights, we should everybody assumed that Pete Hunter wasn't going to come back again. So, it's like, they maybe you should have just checked to make sure you did the job the first time, <laughs> and you wouldn't have to be tracking him down a second time.
2: Yeah, and you could have taken care of him in, uh, in this episode, too, and didn't do it.
1: Yeah. Uh, one thing I like Liked, but, but well, it, you do have this sort of like more of an antagonistic presence more than an outright villainy. Even though you know he probably was one of the guys who gunned down his dad. But I, I do like the way they interact with each other because Briscoe really shows his intellect when he's talking to Pete. Pete, because of that drawl, you tend to think you know you tend to underestimate him. But there he brings up stuff that's like really left field, where it's like I don't even know what that is. That the, you can tell that he's got more book learning than he, he lets on, and it's fun because it makes. The Briscoe tend to talk a little bit smoother a little bit smarter he's trying to outsmart hutter because hutter does despite you know coming off as 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 a uh, less than he uh, he's he knows uh not to trust Briscoe. he does have his own little plans he has his own little strategies you do have to kind of outthink pete uh and that brings out some of the best in Briscoe because you watch the scene where he's selling pete on the idea of selling the guns to helping him acting as an intermediary to sell the guns and he has to be convincing and and he has to play completely straight. He can't be patronizing. He can't be, you know, smirking or anything like that. Um, and so you, you see, uh, Bruce Campbell playing a role about as straight as you ever get to see him in anything, and he does quite a good job with that, so it was nice to see. I think that it, part of the reason why it's fun to have Pete come all around is be, not only is he a fun character in and of himself, but he brings out fun things and, and interesting things in the other actors.
2: Yeah, good. I mean, you could argue Pete, uh, I mean, Briscoe's dad didn't even catch Pete. Pete, mm-hmm. was, Pete was loose to spring the rest of the Bly gang, uh, so and, and then he survived the gunshot from Briscoe, so Pete's a pretty impressive dude. <laughs> <laughs> when you look at the the resume, even from the two episodes he's appeared in, uh, you know, Bly got caught by Briscoe's dad. <laughs> yeah, uh, Pete's the one who had to bail him out. So, uh, yeah, yeah, no, and I think this was good too. He he, they do they don't make him some bumbling idiot. He's definitely got the the like you said the drawl, and he's got that uh, I don't know <laughs> the way he talks is like this guy's a dumb dumb. But look, the dude's he got them. He's got the I guess it wouldn't be street. He's got saloon smarts or whatever you do, <laughs> They would call it back then because everybody was from the the
1: the skills. Or what exactly. was it? Uh, so he's a tumbleweed yeah, thinker. Pete's a pretty formidable uh, uh,
2: counterpart in the series he's not just some dum dum. well and also uh, I think is nice.
1: it'd be easy for him to get lost amidst all the other cowboys but he does have like a distinctive look about him and i particularly like that he's got the the hand strap you know he's got that little strap yeah. around his finger and it, it makes him stand out apart from other people that one little thing makes a big difference in terms of costuming letting you know that he's not just another one of the cowboys
2: yeah a r- really good attention to detail making him stand out especially for a character that i guess they obviously from jump didn't think was end up here again <laughs> so uh yeah no it was good I, I, it was it was a fun little episode, but again, no, nothing nothing really pulling you into the next episode. There's this was very much a self contained little uh, issue.
1: It's a nice episode. little done in one, yeah. Yep. Um, so, besides the fact that we were talking a lot about Bruce Campbell during our uh, Dark Man coverage on Rolled Spine, uh, also uh, the Fire and Water Podcast Network has recently done their Zorro month, celebrating the 101st anniversary of Zorro, which is the sort of timetable we would tend to work on. But they've been doing a whole month of it, and it's been cool. I haven't listened to everything yet, but I've listened. a a fair amount and since Max Romero is one of our listeners and and retweeters and likes I wanted to make sure to give that a shout out and I'll probably throw a a, a promo on here as well I will say though that they put out in a tweet a head-to-head of who had the better horse the Lone Ranger or Zorro and uh, so my question to you Mac is can you name Zorro's horse because I sure couldn't without a prompt ooh what was zorro's horse mm, i can i cannot it was apparently thunder
2: thunder okay i guess that kind of
1: so for me the lone maybe. ranger automatically wins just by the fact that i not only do i know the name but it's incorporated into the the uh themes of the character and the literally, literally the musical theme of the character now yep. my question to you who's got the better horse briscoe county or the lone ranger
2: Oh, it's Briscoe County. The high ho silver can't flip a coin. Are you kidding me?
1: <laughs> Comet oh, is awesome. A, I love Comet, so I, I would agree with you. I think the Comet is the best of the horses.
2: That was a, that was another good scene in this uh, episode that I forgot to mention was that when they get into this. So obviously Socrates is like, "Oh, I gotta go to Mexico," and da da da. da and they get into this dude's compound, and he's like linen sheets, and he like he's like a little kid, and he runs. And, he, and of course, <laughs> he'd been drinking margaritas, and he dives on the bed, and he's like springs in the mattress and all this stuff. And then there's a knock at the door, and he's all like, "If." That's Comet. Tell him I already got dibs on this bed. <laughs> so, which leads to the bit later on where they flip the coin for the hey, for the stall or whatever. But it was so great. There's a knock at the door and Socrates immediately assumes it's the horse. Like only the show, dude. <laughs> and it was just like, that's Comet. And I'm like, yeah, it probably is Comet. You know? that but it's just like, that was the horse we were talking about. <laughs> Could have used a little more Comet in this episode. Yeah. But I'm going was- I'm gonna, I'm gonna to make that complaint for every episode. I need more Comet.
0: <laughs> Frisco! The adventures of Musco County, Jr. will continue after these messages.
2: August is Zorro Month here at the Fire and Water Podcast Network. To celebrate the 101st anniversary of Zorro, we here at Fire and Water are producing
0: several episodes celebrating the Fox and his appearances in various media. First up is the Mirror Factory. We focus on where the legend began, the seminal novel by Johnson McCulley, originally entitled The Curse of Capistrano.
2: Then, over on FW Presents, we'll look at El Zorro's
1: long and storied publication history in the realm of comic books.
0: Then on
2: Film & Water, we'll discuss the classic 1940 film The Mark of Zorro with Tyrone Power. Then on Digest Cast, we'll get small to discuss the Zorro Comic Digest from Paper
0: Cuts. And finally, back on FW Presents, we'll examine the classic 1950s Disney Zorro television series starring Guy Williams. You can find all of these shows at fireandwaterpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. So carve out some time to celebrate Zorro Month with us this August on the Fire and Water Podcast Network.
1: Wait, that's
2: all we're doing? Why did you make me watch Zorro the Gay Blade?
0: The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr., starring the legendary chin of none other than Bruce Campbell, is a short-lived series that aired on Fox between 1993 and 1994. Why cover such an obscure series and one that was cancelled by the end of its first season? It stars Bruce Campbell! On top of that, it offers an intriguing counterbalance to today's darker, grittier entertainment. One that hails from a time where heroes were noble, villains were dastardly, and femme fatales were... not as fatal. A throwback to western serials of yore with a dash of science fiction, Briscoe County arguably represents an end of an era within its primary genre in American television. Just a good old-fashioned adventure with plenty of cornball humor, action, and a horse that prefers to sleep in hotel rooms. So join us every week as we cover all 27 episodes of The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. We invite you to watch along and let us know in the comments below what your thoughts are on each episode and make sure to like and subscribe for more fun on Hilarity by Default. And now back to the adventures of Briscoe County, Jr.
1: So I guess we'll do the social media now. Bit challenging for a year-old episode. We've got from Warlord Worlds, Hooray, looking forward to this, can't wait to listen. Impossible de Intangible wrote Bob the Goon power-kicking like that and he'd stand on the ball and fall over. And they they tweeted out a picture of the Bob Goon action figure from the Batman Toy Biz line. Ryan Rydell wrote I've still got my Briscoe County Junior DVD set. This is a sign that it's time to rewatch them. You've had a year. I hope you've got it, that in. And I hope you're not expecting us to cover much." Of anything else in the next year. Um, Actually, Coffee- no.
2: I, I hope you didn't watch them and then do a whole podcast on it and cover the entire right. series. Right, and now we're we the third
1: episode. podcast on Briscoe County, right? <laughs> Coffee and Comics wrote I was just thinking last week how I hadn't heard anything from these guys about Briscoe lately. Lo and behold, here's a new episode. Randy Caldwell wrote, I'd listen to a Parker Lewis Can't Lose podcast, Key West 2. And uh, given how often we can manage to get the Briscoe County out and Parker Lewis ran multiple seasons, uh, I, I don't think we'd in our natural lifespan be able to finish it.
2: No, we, we would need a whole other pandemic. Next pandemic, we'll start Parker Lewis. Parker Next Lewis.
1: pandemic. Podcast Lewis Can't Lose.
2: So Pandemic Lewis Can't Lose. <laughs>
1: 108 Sage, Alan Middleton, Dr. Ange, Brian Mulvey, Chris at Bad Books for Beginners, Coffee and Comics, Comics in the Golden Age, Captain USA Daniel French for Sponius Sound Design Dave's Comic Heroes Blog Dave Golding Doc Strange Aromero Marrow Evil Dead News Guatem Shiorin Gregory Litchfield Green Lantern HG Fighting the Good Fight The Hammer Strikes Random Geeky Stuff History of Comics on Film The Hoopers Ice in the Face Impossible De Intangible into the Weird, Jeffrey Brown, Jennifer DeRoss, JV Torres, Keith G. Baker, Cristados, Longbox Crusade, Melly, Next of the Fall Realities, Nerdfic Strangers, Odell Abner Dracula, Paul Matthew Carr, Professor Frenzy, Rand Dominable, Randy Caldwell, Revolutionary Mama, Richard Field, Richard G., Rise of King Asilas, Ryan Daly, Ryan Rydell, Secret Wars and Beyond Podcast, Sean Merrick, Simone J. Lima, Slangward Scott, True Stories, Varangian Vigilante, Resurrections, A Warlock and Thanos Podcast, Warlord Worlds, and Words and Pictures.
2: Did we ever actually introduce the show?
1: No, you wanted to jump. I not mean, we, hey, we really
2: Welcome to The Coming Thing, and Adventures of Briscoe County Junior podcast. I'm a legal machine, and with me is?
1: Yeah, I Frank. But the truth is, I don't think we've ever introduced the show, because uh, I actually was listening to a couple and just remember how it worked. And we mostly just sort of like, it kind of the music introduces us for the most part. We never introduced ourselves, so it's probably for the best.
2: Hey, so, you know, Bruce Campbell did tweet something about doing a Briscoe County reunion or some sort of...
1: If I remember correctly, they did a charity table read where I think that the, a bunch of the surviving members got together with a because I think Bowler was in there, so they had to get another actor to play that character, and they did a table read for charity for like fifteen bucks a head or something or on the internet. Is
2: uh is, is Bruce Campbell on Cameo?
1: I haven't checked. I really wanted to take advantage of Cameo, and I haven't gotten around to that yet.
2: We should totally get him to do a. I'm Bruce Campbell, and you're listening to the Adventures or uh the Coming Thing, an Adventure of Brisco County Jr. podcast.
1: Well, the first time we, I ever heard of Cameo is Rob Lief was on it, and I've been wanting to have Rob Bleifeld curse us out for all the things we say on Spawnometer.
2: <laughs> he does not. He is not on Cameo. That's mm-hmm. very frustrating. Um,
1: I didn't feel like he would. Something I, something in my gut was like, I just don't think Bruce Campbell... It's weird. It's like some people are built for something like that. Bruce is such a raconteur, and he's such a guy who likes talking to people face-to-face live. I think that he it would be weird for him to just like record messages for people. Maybe, maybe I'm, I'm mistaken about that, but I just don't feel like he'd be wired that way. It feels like he would just yeah, but, not be interested to, in something like that. Hey,
2: now, but to get paid 150 bucks a pop to look and say, "Hey Samantha, Jimmy just wanted to say, give me some sugar, baby." And then he gets paid 150 bucks. Why would why is every rich person not on this? Or mm-hmm. every famous person not on this cuz you're definitely not rich if you're doing it. I'd never actually gone to Cameo's website before and there are some just outrageously like, "Really? You're like you think people are going to want you to say stuff?" That's mm-hmm. weird. But Bruce Campbell's got enough one-liners. Oh, sure. That I figured like, "Dude, can you record my voicemail? I want Ash Williams to record my voicemail." I feel like he he's perfect for that because mm-hmm. he's got catchphrases whereas like bruce bowen from the san antonio spurs it's 50 bucks you can have him record a message <laughs> like who, who wants bruce bowen to record anything like i
1: that's one of those my PewDiePie pie kind of things where you do it just because it's so random it's funny so
2: back to bruce campbell anyway i feel like he'd be perfect cameo so that oh that sucks although he'd probably charge a lot because right? like some of these people charge like 300 bucks mm-hmm. for a message which is a
0: little extreme Friday, Briscoe's arch enemy tries to send him to a watery grave. Got that old sinking feeling? And a close encounter with a beautiful redhead Ah! could be the kiss of death. The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. All new episode next Friday at 8 7 Central.